Well, greetings, Imagination Connoisseurs. Once again, welcome to the third issue of The Weekly Hero. I'm, of course, your co-host, Robert Meyer Burnett, and it isn't a show without my effervescent co-host, Chris Carr. Ooh, I like effervescent. That's a nice one. Thanks, Rob. I'm telling you, I think everyone looking at you right now knows you're effervescent. Aw, I'm a bubbly little thing. I get it. Very bubbly. Thanks, but man. you know what else is bubbly? Thought bubbles mm-hmm. that are in all comic books that we read. Heck yeah. I don't know what that has to do with this That's show. I just thought I'd bring segue. it up. You like that? I loved it. <laughs> well, of course, you know, we talk on this show about things to do with comic book universes, mm-hmm. whether it's the MCU, the DCEU, whether it's the boys, whether it's Preacher, whatever, wherever your favorite comic book based heroes and villains and anti-heroes, whatever, come from right here on the Weekly Hero. Yeah. That's what we do. And you know what we're going to start with today? We're going to start with Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Now, Black Adam is a movie that is rapidly approaching. Now, we've seen a number of trailers. People were sending me like leaked photos of Henry Cavill as Superman. I'm like, come on, are these real? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're real. We've been speculating you might be in the movie. We were doing that just last week. I look at Boss Logic's picture of Dr. Fate as James Bond, and I'm like, that gets me excited. Yeah. Because Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate, come on. Oh, my gosh. Love him. Question I have for you, Chris. Are you excited for this? Should we be excited for Black Adam? Where where are your thoughts? I am excited about this. I just have wished that I was getting a little more from the footage we've seen so far. And I, I do have to balance that out, though, with, you know, sometimes Marvel in the past has shown us way too much. Right. And then I go into a movie and go, yeah, I've seen all the good parts now. Eh, this isn't doing it for me. So I'm hoping they're just keeping things close to the vest, right? And that we're going to have some big surprises in here. Like you, Dr. Fate is what I'm probably most excited about in this. I love Pierce Brosnan ever since Remington Steel reruns that my mom would have me watch with her. Oh, oh love him so so much and he looks so cool oh he does costumes in this look incredible i have to say i mean i'm a huge justice league justice society fan and to see like dr fate and hawkman i i i I love that i wonder which iterations they're using like i don't know yet because is he a thanagarian or is he like an Egyptian god brought into the present? I yeah, don't know. Because that that is one of the things I had an issue with, with the whole like, I'm not from Earth moment of could that be Superman then? Well, we don't know if Hawkman is from Earth at this point right. in time. We don't know if he is an alien or if he is a reincarnated, reincarnated Egyptian god. I mean, I remember when Tim Truman, who was coming off of like Grimjack, he did a, a DC series called Hawk World. Ooh. And and they dealt with all the different Hawkmen iterations, and they oh, they, I never they heard tried. This one. Yeah, it Ooh. it wasn't bad. I okay. mean, I liked Tim Truman, but I I just the Hawkman mythology within the DC universe has been sort of convoluted, and everyone was trying like throughout the eighties, nineties, and into the aughts, and now they've mm-hmm. played with that. And I'm wondering what iteration are they going for in this movie? Same here. And is there a hawk girl? Like, I don't know. And is he an alien? Is he an ancient Egyptian? What is he? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I, I think that the thing that I'm baffled by this, I mean, we know he's a man out of time. Black Adam is 5,000 years old. First of all, I don't think any actor could embody this role better than Dwayne Johnson. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Literally he, made for this. He looks exactly like Black Adam should. And no wonder he wanted to play this role for 20 years. My whole thing is... Whenever I see a trailer, it doesn't matter what it's for, but certainly a comic book-based film, I want to get some idea about what is the actual story. Because a superhero story to me is very generic. It's good versus evil, but there's so much more now than that. And I don't – he's – Black Adam's an antihero. Like, I, I, I can kill. Well, okay, but what's going on? And I think we don't 
know what that is. Like, I, I don't need to know everything, but I needed to know a shred of why is this movie different than any other Star Trek movie or Star Trek superhero <laughs> movie? Always on your mind. Always on my mind. Aww. Why is it different than like, what is it about Black Adam that makes him different than, say, a Superman or a Batman or an MCU character? What is it that's unique about Black Adam? I mean, I know he's magical. He has magical powers mm-hmm. and things like that. And he's part of the 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 Marvel, the Shazam. I mean, he is part of the Marvel universe, yes. but the Shazam family, whatever. I mean, do you have any sense at all of what this movie's about? I mean, we do see Sabak for a quick second. Right. Right. So we have that there. But why wouldn't that be more of the trailer? Exactly. That was one of my issues is we, we do see the Justice Society coming to potentially just take in Black Adam, right? Of, you know... You've got a choice to make. We're here to, you know, keep you in line and everything. We know that he is willing to kill. We know that he doesn't want to play by anyone else's rules. So is he fighting the Justice Society? Are they going to all team up together to take down Sabak? Is that going to be the centrally focused villain? Is he the villain ultimately? Because in the comics, obviously, Black Adam is a bad guy. Right. He fights Shazam. He's fighting Sweet Billy. He's beating up a kid. <laughs> so I do want to see where he actually stands, you know, like where he stands, what he stands for, all that good stuff. Because as I know him, he is Billy's foe. Right. So I'm I'm trying to figure out where he's placed in all of this now. And if these are interconnected universes. And another thing I have to ask is now that we've already had one Shazam film and we have another Shazam film that has the Shazam or the Marvel family in it. Yes. Why did they decide not to tie Black Adam in with Shazam? I mean, I would have thought that that would have been a natural... If he was anointed, if Black Adam was the first person that the wizard anointed with these powers and left or something, why wouldn't they make that a part of this? They've got a universe within the, the uh, why not? Well, they might. I mean, we could have a tasty post credit scene where Black Adam comes on the scene. It's true. So. Uh, but still, I mean, I, I want to see it. I'm just, I want to be more excited than I am. For it. I'm feeling because it's right around the corner. We're getting this in October, right? So right. I feel like we are going to get a little, a little tasty scene dropped to get us all excited right before this goes into theaters. I mean, I don't doubt Dwayne's going to be a compelling presence. Absolutely, Dwayne, as if I know him. And well, we all don't we all don't we all, we all know we Dwayne? I mean, I don't. We think drink he's his tequila. S- we watch his movies. He's not going to sweat the way he does in the Fast and Furious movies. I love that his head is always sweating, which I always love because yeah. you know he's ready to kick ass. Absolutely. Well, so at least we're in, I guess we're simpatico. We both want to see the movie, but you want to know more about it, maybe? Yeah. I, I need I need this to move the needle a little bit more for me. I need a little bit more footage. You don't have to give everything else away for me, but maybe just let me know the threat. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Why should I go see this film? What, what am I in for? A little bit. Yeah. All right, well, that brings us to something else that we've been incredulous about for all this time, and that is, of course... The, the beginnings of supernatural powers, monsters, whatever, man scary. thing in the MCU. People, we now have reviewers, are, are have seen Werewolf by Night, and there has been pretty unanimous praise for this. I mean, we've wondered, is it a throwback horror to Universal Monsters of the 30s? It was listed as a comedy on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Now we're hearing something different. Now it's a horror. Now it's horror. Now it's listed as horror and everything. And people have really responded to it. The people who've seen it so far are giving it rave reviews, rave. saying it is wildly violent, which is interesting for Marvel and, and its parent company, Disney. Maybe that's why it's black and white. Maybe. You know, when blood's black and white, it's far less visceral than when it's Or blue, color. like in Morbius. That, 
That is true. Yeah. If I can drag it, I'm going to drag it. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm very excited about this. Obviously, Moon Knight began his comic career in the pages of Werewolf by Night. So I'm 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 really curious. I mean, Moon Knight's not going to be in this. No. If no one said that, he's not going to be in this. So I'm not going to get sad about it. I already know he's not. But I really, I've been fascinated the same way that they're going to bring mutants into the MCU. Like, how are they going to do it? We have Agatha Harkness we've seen is, a, I guess, hundreds of years old. She's a, a witch, a sorceress, call her what you want. So we know that the supernatural exists within the MCU, but we don't know much about it because we know that there's lots of, there's the Midnight Suns, there's Ghost Rider, there's Man-Thing, there's all kinds of crazy monsters. There's even Dracula yes. is real. And the Baroness was recently referenced in She-Hulk. Absolutely. So you've got all of this stuff that they can draw from. And it looks like they're going they're going big and hard and fast into the supernatural with Werewolf by Night. Um, so what do you think about all this? Where are you at on this? I'm freaking hyped. I'm going to watch most of this like with my hands over my eyes if it is as violent as people are saying. But I'm so stoked because how you've brought it up before. How do you do a Blade movie, you know, without establishing that there is a vampirical threat? And how do you do it without gore? Because we've seen how it's done without gore. Morbius, I think, really could have honestly been a great film if we saw him just ripping people up. I think yeah. that would have added a lot to it. And we would have seen more of that monstrous side and been able to deal with his struggle personally more if we saw all that very visceral violence. Well, in the first Blade, when we first met the Daywalker, Wesley Snipes' as Blade, You've got that opening scene where this poor guy goes to a blood rave, you know, where blood's com coming out of the speakers and a remix of New Order is pounding and Tracy Lords is there. If Tracy Lords is going to lead you to a blood rave, you go. Absolutely. And then the vampires, all hell breaks loose and Blade shows up and it's violent. I mean, he's he's cutting these guys up and they're mm -hmm. disappearing and they're turning into, uh, which I loved. I, the opening of the first 10 minutes of Blade it's is outstanding. One of my, it's so good. It's one of my favorite superhero things ever just because it's it's so modern. I mean, in a way, it could it stands as one of the most modern superhero sequences because even the MCU is a little old fashioned. Oh, absolutely. Whereas whereas Blade was like, no, 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 this is as modern as it gets. We're we're at a we're at a rave. We're listening to remixes of modern music, and we're going to kill people in a very modern way. Even though it's a lot of CG, it doesn't matter. I still like it. Same. So. The thing is, though, with Blade, it established that there was a whole underworld, a whole a whole society of vampires that existed right within the boundaries of our cities. You know, they're in New York, man. Yeah. They're, 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 whether it's a, the meatpacking district or it's a glass skyscraper, there's vampires everywhere, apparently. Well, and that's what this phase seems like it needs to do, right, is all of these threats have always been among us. We have the scroll threat coming. We're going to have mutants introduced. We're going to have vampires and supernatural things. I love the idea of all of these characters have been lurking in the shadows this whole time. The whole time. And we just haven't noticed because there've been other threats and other things, and they've got such a you know literal underground culture, perhaps that we just haven't been aware of any of it. Kai, I got a question for you. Yeah. When Thanos snapped his fingers, did supernatural beings disappear as well? I would think so, because half the population. Half the population, but Ooh, they had but to if be alive. Dead. Yeah. Oh shit, Rob. Oh. I've been thinking. I know this is uh, ever. I, I'm like. I'm. And here's the thing. I don't know if Marvel's going to deal with this, yeah. but you've got to give me a definitive answer because the entirety of phase four has introduced Arisham the Judge. You've got Egyptian gods. You've got Wuxia. You've got Chinese demons. or the, the So there's all kinds of craziness going on. Mm -hmm. But when Thanos snapped his fingers, were those people immune? Were those creatures immune? 
And I think that's a real good question because during yeah. the blip, if half the population is gone, did that did that impact the vampire food source? Like mm-hmm. if you were like, I, there's all these questions that mm-hmm. I want to know. I know this is probably silly to ask. No, but I like the minutia of how this all worked. Well, I think it's important. I think we have to know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're going to say that, okay, vampires are undead. If they're undead, that means they wouldn't be affected by Thanos' snap. Like poor man thing. Like, what if Man-Thing got snapped and he shows up and comes back? Like, Oh, my gosh. What if Man-Thing... Who knows? And Ellen's gone. What oh are you going to do? I mean, there's... Look at that. Man-Thing oh, man scene. Man-Thing in the... Uh, and and also... I can't believe Man-Thing's in this. Uh, it's amazing. Like, so, real quick, just... Did, uh, the more I've thought about this, though, doesn't Man-Thing, as as we've seen so far with these various cinematic universes, doesn't Man-Thing feel more Sony to you? Yes. Right, because we have the tie-ins to Spider-Man, right? He worked with Dr. Connors. He also taught at Empire State University and everything. It feels like that kind of creature exists in that world right now. I'm excited we're getting it. I am too, but that's a big question. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm asking about Like with this whole universe thing. How, do, how does the supernatural exist? Yeah. And Man-Thing, like you said, doesn't really seem like it belongs in the MCU. No. You've got to convince me. And, and Kevin Feige, people forget, did produce a Man-Thing movie. That's right. And and it existed, but so like It's there. It's a movie. It it, it is there. <laughs> it's not a very good movie, no. but when you bring these characters in, suddenly there's now this this layer of existential questions that I have about the MCU as we've already seen it. Mm-hmm. We knew the Eternals have been on Earth for a long time. Did any of the Eternals Doing ever come up? Absolutely nothing. But did if there's vampires here, did the Eternals know there were vampires? Like throughout history, and and I think that this is something that the MCU is butting up against. They have they have an existential problem. They need to define all of this, because was Agatha Harkness four hundred years ago dealing with Dracula? Was she dealing with vampires? Mm-hmm. I don't know. These are great questions. I wonder if they're going to address them. If we have the time variance authority in this, as we've seen in the trailers, yeah. Did does that mean they got snapped when Thanos? Well, they exist with, outside of our timeline, so I feel like no, maybe, possibly. But what if they, those, Who's to say? <laughs> I don't know what I need to know. I need to find out. Yeah. But I'm excited to see this. Are you? I am. I'm really, really stoked. I just, you know, I know I'm probably going to like freak out at one point and maybe cry a little bit because I'm a right, well, baby. I, I, I don't want to see you abused in any way, but I do want to. I want to see you watch a horror movie. I want to sit next to you and watch The Descent. I don't want to watch that at all. It's so good, though. I don't want to watch so it. So good. Ugh. So good. All right. Well, that brings us to our next topic. They've hired writers for the Fantastic Four movie. Yes. Now, it kind of ties into our issue. We've got issues. Our issue, our segment, we've yes. got issues, which we do. But so, like, there's been a lot of talk about a Fantastic Four movie. They've hired these writers. Again, I would ask you, what kind of a Fantastic Four movie do you think these writers are going now? Now, one of the writers worked on Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. and um, also wrote Quantum Mania. So, which right? shows they really believe in Quantum Mania if they're bringing him back in, right? And and to me, Quantum Mania goes it skews toward that that like the negative zone, all that kind of craziness. That seems mm-hmm. very Fantastic Four to me. So it doesn't the fact that Kang is there and and this kind of stuff is happening it makes sense to me um i, I am getting this am i getting this right or they right or he's writing kang dynasty i don't remember i'm not sure i'm all but anyway so right they've hired writers they've i think it's maybe i think it's maybe kang dynasty I'm, okay. i might be mixing my either way yeah it's kang dynasty because it's quantum mania but yes yes, yes yes i'm 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 wrong 
I accept that I'm wrong. You should accept I'm wrong. I'm admitting <laughs> it. So it's not the, the internet will tell you. <laughs> they will. So the Fantastic Four writers are different than the writers of Quantum Mania and Kang Dynasty. Uh, but anyway, Fantastic Four. To me, you've got the Kirby and you've got the Stanley Fantastic Four. And I really like the John Byrne Fantastic Four in the 80s. I did like Jonathan Hickman's run on Fantastic Four as well. Mm -hmm. But I've always liked the cosmic nature of the Fantastic Four. And the Fantastic Car, let's go deal with Galactus. Yeah. Deal with, I mean, how do you see a Fantastic Four movie going? I mean... We're going to get into this in a little bit here of what I'd like for them to do. What I initially thought when a Fantastic Four film was announced was, okay, first family of comics, great. This is the the look into sitcom life, essentially, in comic books, right? Where we have a family, family dynamic, we just also happen to deal with aliens from outer space on the subway system, you know? So it's kind of wacky intergalactic shenanigans that also have a family values kind right. of moment happening. Is that what I want? Not quite. For me, I want something that is a little little cosmic, right? Because we're at that point in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But that's I what I want to see, too. But I do, I want a more messed up family dynamic, if I'm being honest right. here. I want to really, really see how these powers have, have screwed things up and have messed up their relationships. I want to know why they haven't been present in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Were they blipped? Have they been trapped somewhere? You know, what's been going on? Were, because of what happened to them, did Reed decide on everyone's behalf, hey, we're not getting involved in anything, we have to do testing on ourselves and see what's going on because we could harm people and that pisses off Johnny? You know, how is Ben dealing with his transformation because he doesn't get to live a normal life like everyone else? Right. And we've touched on that before in other films. I think we've just done it in a more kind of goofy, lighthearted version. Um, save the most recent one. That one was a bit more serious in tone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the ones, you know, with like Jessica Alba and everything was a little more goofy when Marvel was in its big dancing phase. Yeah, I mean, that was, I, I never thought they quite got that right. No. You know, the Tim Story Fantastic Fours were not quite what I wanted because I wanted, like, I've always seen Reed Richards as kind of a no-nonsense. It's not like he's humorless. But he's a serious man. He's part of the Illuminati. Yeah, he's a serious guy. And I, I, I've I, always loved this idea, like, if the Fantastic Four became the Fantastic Four in the 60s. Like, we saw that Michelle Pfeiffer was caught in the, the quantum realm for yeah. however long. The idea that the Fantastic Four have been in the negative zone where time passes differently or they're in the quantum realm. I feel or like what marry those two concepts just so the average moviegoer isn't like, wait, isn't it like this thing? And we right. go, yes, it is. They're I mean, I would different. love to find out like they, 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 people look back into their history and they show up and it's 30 years later. I wouldn't mind that mm -hmm. because why not? If you're going to lean into that, if they're going to introduce the Reed Richards, why, why doesn't Tony Stark, why didn't Tony Stark have a relationship with Reed Richards if they were not, exactly. if, if they were contemporaries, mm -hmm. which I think they would be. I mean, as we know from the comics, they would be. But yeah, or Bruce. Or Bruce. Banner, I mean, they would I all would know be each other. Up with Reed all the time. They've never mentioned mm -hmm. Reed Richards, and I think that that means, at least for me, if they came from somewhere else, like maybe from out of the past, I like that idea. I would love if in Ironheart we had a little throwback moment. Of, you know, Dr. Reed Richards, who discovered this, and we have a photo of him from the 1960s here shown with his wife, Susan. You know, I would love something like that. And then we have them thrust into the modern And they day. mysteriously disappeared. Mm -hmm. And the, the world at large did not know they were even superpowered. Yes. They just knew him as a, a Nobel Prize winning scientist from the past. Exactly. Because the only superhero we had seen at that point in time, right, was Captain America. Right. And... 
I we hadn't seen anyone else come to fruition theoretically until about the 90s with Captain Marvel. But again, goes off planet, disappears. It's not really until Iron Man shows up that we start ex- uh, accepting that there's heroes among us. Right, but but apparently there's been all kinds of supernatural beings this whole time, whole time. that were somehow staying in the shadows. So they've hired, I mean, I would have thought, like, we know these writers have been working on this project for a while. They, they're they now going to develop multiple movies. Mm-hmm. So they probably have a trilogy in mind, which I like. I would love to see a trilogy with a beginning, a middle, and an end. I yes. would love to see, like, a Lord of the Rings, rather than just, we know we're going to get three movies. It would be interesting to me if they they knew where their story was going to go and 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 parcel it out over three films, I would, I would love really, to see that. I really really like that because I I want to see like the Silver Surfer done well. They're the two writers of the oh, Fantastic Four that I was not giving proper credit for. Do yeah, we know yeah. their names? Don't have their names up there, but they look happy about the jobs yeah. they have. So good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should know their names, and that was that was poor research on my part. So I apologize, readers, watchers, viewers, uh, Excelsior. Um, but so <laughs> so anyway. Fantastic Four, we're stoked. Hell yeah. I can't wait to see it. And especially because of this comic that you've brought in this week. Well, Ooh. yeah. I, uh, so, you know, Jeff Kaplan, Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer, the Thanks, writers right? of the Fantastic Four film. Uh, obviously, it's been the first one's been in development for a while. They've been signed on to write more. Hopefully, they, Kaplan and Springer are going to be writing a saga. That's what I would like. Yeah. So Same, same. Could be a law firm, too, uh, that She-Hulk could later join. <laughs> but so here's the thing. Chris and I, sometimes between the two of us, we have issues. We have a lot of issues. A lot of issues. And mm-hmm. sometimes they're out of order. And sometimes they, well, we'll have to resolve them later. But we're going to resolve <laughs> them after we hear a word from our sponsor. Hey guys, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. I'm just kidding, there isn't one. Seriously, Mint Mobile just has premium wireless service from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel and be charged full price for. I used to dread opening my phone bill every month because every time I was opening it, it was like playing roulette. I never knew what the actual price was going to be and it always seemed to get higher, but not with Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And if you're worried about the complication of switching things over, don't. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So guys, get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists at mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Seriously, you'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash campia. And a great big thanks to our sponsor for this episode of the Weekly Hero, Mint Mobile. Yay! Well, that brings us to our favorite segment, We Have Issues. We got issues! I mean, Chris and I, we, you know, what can we do? We We're in therapy. issues, yeah. And our issue today is not just an issue, but it's a hardcover. Hell yeah. It is a Fantastic Four hardcover. It is this Fantastic Four hardcover. Look at this beauty. Uh, it is It is Fantastic oh. Four full circle. This is by Alex Ross. Ooh, Alex Ross, designed. a fan favorite, one of the great 
comic book artists. I mean, I first oh, yeah. saw his work when he did Marvels. I want to say Marvels. Oh, nice. Uh, the Marvels miniseries way back in the day. Uh, he obviously did things like Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come was my introduction to him. Where uh, it's just, I was telling Taylor when we were going to get coffee. I mean, just stunning, realistic depictions of superheroes where everyone is just big, bulky. You believe that these are how actually like humans would look if they had these powers. The the color is kind of desaturated. There's a softness to the way everything is filled in. Oh, it's beautiful. And, and regal. There's yes. a regal quality. You know, it's funny. The the Kingdom Come is the way I envisioned superheroes, the DC pantheon, in my mind when I was growing up. Right. And then Alex Ross gave gave that image. And then, of course, they designed action figures based on mm -hmm. his renditions of things. And His work and Darwin Cook's are always how I think a Wonder Woman should look. Uh, oh, absolutely amazing. The Amazonian has to have... Big old muscles. She's got to have legs that can just kick the shit out of you. Well, this this story full circle, uh, we saw some artwork there. He did he did something a little different. He changed his art style and he he went back. They they tied this story into the old uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby stories from the sixties. This artwork is very Kirby esque. Oh, it's a love in letter its design. to him. It's a complete love letter to Jack Kirby. The coloring is different from where Alex Ross usually goes. I loved this because it it was both it was a retro throwback, but also very new. Mm -hmm. And this story, I mean, I don't want to ruin anything about the story, but I guess we can say that a Ben Grimm from a different time period comes back, and something comes out of his mouth. That you might not expect. Yep. And I, lots of things come out of his mouth <laughs> that you might not expect. And I, I'm going to leave it at that. But it ties all the way back to classic. This is a classic Fantastic story, uh, Fantastic Four story through and through. It's so beautifully designed. And it, it, it sort of encompasses all the history of the, the Fantastic Four franchise. Mm -hmm. And even, I, I mean, you can't help but smile as you turn the pages of this comic. Oh, yeah. It's so fun and psychedelic, and it really is a departure for Ross, too. The The art style is so wildly different. I, I, I mean, mean th this is so Kirby-esque. Down, down to the pencil work here, y'all, it's wild, because everything that Ross does usually is very, very clean. And so the fact that we still have pencil shading and stuff in here, the fact that we are using bright, bold colors like Kirby, it's so, so beautiful. And it tells this particular story so well while we're in this self-contained universe i mean i never thought there would a day would come where i would say to somebody maybe uh do an edible before reading a comic book dude but here yeah. we are here <laughs> we are because the again the artwork is just it's so gorgeous and most of this are these big bold like this splash pages of trippiness mm -hmm. and it really is very psychedelic and yeah. i they it, the negative zone is used to to the greatest effect and and also but it's still, you know, it harks back to family, and it, it re it's a classic Fantastic Four story in, in every detail. But, you know, it, for me, I loved it because Alex Ross talks about how he, he has action figures that he uses to, to – I mean, he's always used models of people too, but so it's not surprising. But yeah. the fact that he, he, like, creates his own action figures as his artist's models to do these poses thing. I, I This came out last month. I think it came out in August. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, to me, like a first day must own. I have to have this now. And I was so pleased that we were able to get this. I mean, it's, you know, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's stunning. Fantastic for a full circle. By the way, it does come in, I, and I don't know why I didn't know this when I bought it, but it does come in a premium slipcased version. <gasps> I know. Ooh, I know okay, as that's well. the one I'll get. 
And as a physical media lover, yeah. you know, I don't believe oh in digital gosh. comics. I want to turn it the pages. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel the same at all. When I'm on my iPad doing this, I feel I feel like I'm on a dating app. I don't want that for my comic book. <laughs> I want to be in there. I want to be invested. Although sometimes when I read comics digitally, I wish I could date the people that are in them. That is a fair point. Of course, they don't exist. Yeah. And I don't think they would swipe right or left on me if I was on Oh, it. they would, Bobcat. I don't know. It You're a dreamboat. Come I on. Don't know. Come on. Too old. Could you explain for people who don't know the difference between the negative zone and the quantum realm? Because it's very... Oh, now, here's the thing. <laughs> in the MCU, that's really... They're, they're, now, the negative zone, while time passes differently, you can't go... You can't really time travel through the negative zone? No. The way you can through the quantum realm, at least in the MCU? Yeah. Like, how are they going to define that? I don't know. Well, and that's why I think if... For me personally, this is a story that is so good to use for the Fantastic Four. Right. Because now, they're in a temporal pocket. Right. That's exactly right. But I think they would nix it being the negative zone, or at least maybe that's what Reed calls it. And then we learn when he's talking to Hank Pym, this is actually what we've uh, classified as the quantum realm. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but see, they're, I think they're, but they are different. And the thing about, I, I wonder about that because they've leaned, look, with Kang coming and Kang obviously is a time traveling antagonist, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, you can't, the negative zone, you can't use it to time travel. It's just like you said, it's like the time dilation effect. If you're traveling at the speed of light, time passes differently for you. Yeah. So um, I, it's, again, I don't know how they're going to do that. I, it's going to be really interesting to see how the quantum realm is is differentiated from like how how are they going to lean into what the Fantastic Four go through? I don't mm -hmm. know. I mean, it's going to be very strange. Yeah. I guess that's why we'll have issues. We'll continually have issues yeah. about where and the, how they treat this Fantastic Four family in a film franchise. Uh, and it's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. People should uh, comment on what do you think the difference between the negative zone yeah. and the quantum realm are, and how are they going to affect each other in the MCU, if at all? I think that's great. I don't know. Also, do you think that the average movie-going audience would understand the difference, too? Because right. that's my only issue, is that if you are a comic book fan, hell yeah, you're going to be like, the negative zone is different. Come on, Chris. Don't, don't get it twisted. But, you know, if one of my friends comes to go see the movie, they don't read comics, I'm going to be sitting there the whole time going, okay, so, Mia, this is what's happening now. Um, this is actually a temporal pocket, and while time does move in the same way, if exited, you could have lost 11 years of your life. You could, And also, you can build a castle in the quantum realm. Yeah. You know, and in the negative zone, are they going to say you can also have real estate there? Like, I don't know. That's where I would invest. That's why we have issues. Exactly. Well, Chris, that brings us to our final segment, my favorite segment. No, any segment I do with you is my favorite Aww, segment. Oh, that's sweet. That's a lie, but okay. But that's not a lie. <laughs> I don't lie. Uh, this is the Hot Toys segment. Doesn't mean it's necessarily from the company Hot Toys. It just means these toys are coming in hot. Yeah, this is one of the latest toys that I have for my collection, and I'm willing to share it with you right now. All right, we are back with another installment of uh, Rob's Hot Toys. And Rob, what have you got for us today? Okay, John, this is a little something different. This is actually not made by Hot Toys. It's made by a company called TB League. And they do this one-off series of Egyptian gods. And I was not going to get these figures until Hot Toys announced Moon Knight figure. And I wanted to do a, I'm going to get all, they, they make Anubis, Horus, Osiris, and they did King Tut. And I figured, I saw King Tut the first time King Tut's riches came to America. So I've always kind of had a thing for King Tut. And so they made this figure and I looked at it and I'm like, well, I'll pre-order it. Well, I got it just the other day. 
And when I opened the box, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I mean, he has clothes, he comes with an amazing chair. And you know how much I love my six scale chairs. But it is the quality, It's it comes with a Fison body. What which is has, it? It's, it's got an interior a metal armature around a silicon body, so it has real weight. Here's King Tut in all of his glory, comes with a chair. I mean, John, look at the detail, like the metal chain work here, the, the multi-levels, the clothing, the fabric. It's kind of got this mummy, vague thing going on. I mean, the detail, everything, the armor that comes on. And I, I was blown away. I mean, even the detail of this, look at that. I, I, when I got this figure, you know, sometimes you buy weird six scale figures and you're like, why did I buy this? I looked at this and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I need to get all of the Egyptian gods. Now, they don't make a Khonshu yet, but if they did, I mean, even the detail in the chair, like, look at the back of the, if you go in that, it's incredible. And, uh, I, you know, it wasn't something I was going to buy, but I look at this and I'm, you know, the I, back of the chair too. It's, it's just incredible. It's incredible. And I can't wait to get like this pantheon of Egyptian gods and have Moon Knight in the front. So this was something that was totally not, I wasn't going to buy it. I ordered this like a year ago and I got it on Friday. This is my newest figure. I just got it. I'm so stoked. I mean, even the head sculpt, it looks so. And by the way, you took the character off the, the throne and the fur on the seat well, here, here. is like some of the softest. Look at that. Unbelievable, <laughs> like just pure awesomeness. Uh, like that is luxurious. I mean, even like the, 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 just the detail of this chair. I mean, you know, I, I, this is one of the best six scale chairs ever. <laughs> that just looks amazing. Look at that. I mean, this is, uh, and this line, and by the way, what's really interesting about these figures, John, is they come, they come in two different kinds. So you can get uh, King Tut or Tutankhamun as a white Tutankhamun or as a black Tutankhamun. So his cloth, the cloth is black. It's a darker figure. It, all the details are the same. It's just the color is different. And they do it a lot. Now, the reason that I went for the white version uh, is because I liked it with the gold. Now, you're, you might want to get the, because you can see that with the black here, it looks great with black as well. But the other Egyptian gods, some of them come in different variations. You can get them with more of a, like a white cloth or black cloth. And like Anubis and the, the gods that are actually black, like the dark, I want to get the black versions. But I thought for King Tut, I think King Tut's going to be the only white version I get because I just like the gold and the white. And then I want all the black Egyptian gods that, you know, that, cause they have, they, they've got monster heads and stuff and they just look, but they're going to be behind King Tut when I have it all done. And then Moon Knight is going to be in front of all. Well, that Moon Knight thing was going to look great. All right. Thanks Stop. a lot for sharing the, your newest addition to your collection. So good. Well, there you go. Uh, more hot toys than you could possibly imagine. And I can imagine quite a bit. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Weekly Hero. Chris? Mm -hmm. It is so good to be working with you in this way. Likewise, bud. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but you can imagine it's going to be very super heroic. Yeah, absolutely. And we will still have issues and hot toys to show you guys. I mean, my God, you know, one day you got to bring me a toy of your own in. You must collect We'll get some demonetized. Toys. Oh. Well, okay then. Well, tell us what you think about The Weekly Hero. We love to read your comments. Say whatever you want. Uh, let's be nice, though. Yeah, right? be sweet. 
<laughs> and I'm Robert Meyer Burnett, and you can find me at Burnett RM on Instagram, or you can find me at, actually, that's on Twitter. You can find me at RM Burnett on Instagram, and find me at PostGeek Singularity on YouTube or PostGeekSingularity.com. Chris. Where can people find you? You can find me at, at actor Chris Carr on both Twitter and Instagram, or you can head over to my website, speakfriendstudio.com, to learn about voiceovers. Well, join us on the John Campy Show every day at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, and we will see you here next week for the latest episode or issue of The Weekly Hero. Bye-bye. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. It never dawned on me how much walking I used to do until I bought a house in the suburbs. Like when I'd say, I'm going for coffee, of course I was walking. But now it's like three miles, and no latte's worth that. I find myself inviting people on walks with me, like it's a scheduled activity. This morning, my neighbor asked me what I'm doing, and I actually said, I'm going for a walk with Nancy. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.